Okay, uh, let's start. Welcome everyone to our weekly Hot Politics Lab meeting online since, uh, what is it, 8th of March, um, having super interesting guests. And uh, this week is no exception to that rule. Uh, we have today uh, as our speaker, uh, Agneta Fischer, uh, Professor of Psychology at the University of Amsterdam and also Dean of uh, the Faculty of Social Science, the faculty that Bert and I and, and Christian uh, work for. Uh, and so uh, uh, we're, we're super happy to, to finally have you. Uh, I think this was supposed to be a physical meeting and then got, got postponed and then Corona and now we finally have you. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to have Agneta because uh, she is, uh, her specialty is uh, emotions. And uh, 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 that's been her uh, field of study for a long time already. And uh, and she's so she's with the, we're very happy to have one of these uh, world experts on, 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 on emotions in our lab since that's one of the main topics we study. I see a lot of uh, participants also today, so I'm really still people dropping in even, so I'm really happy to see so many people. Uh, today, Agneta will talk about uh, fear and populism. And so we've, uh, uh, we've deviated a little bit from our previous talks where there was a lot of focus on Corona, but you know, I think everyone has gotten sick of thinking about this, so uh, we, we grew, gradually are moving back to our more normal repertoire, uh, uh, and so uh, Agneta is uh, the first to, uh, uh, to go back to the normal repertoire. So, um, without further ado, uh, I want to give uh, the, maybe just one second for people who are new, uh, so Agneta will give a talk for about 20 minutes, then you can ask your questions, and you can do that through the Q&A tool, so there's in the bottom of your screen, in the middle, there are these two uh, clouds. That's the Q&A tool. There you can write your question. And then uh, when Agneta is done, Bert Bakker uh, uh, will facilitate the, the question. So he will read them out. Okay? So without further ado, Agneta, I give you the virtual space. Yeah, thank you very much for this uh, very sweet introduction. <laughs> I'm going to share my screen now. Um, to see whether this, uh, this works. Let me see. You don't see the um, presentation now, right? Only the, uh, is it? I see the presentation. Yeah, now it's good. Yep. Yeah, now it's good. Okay. So, um, first of all, I'd like uh, to, to thank you for um, being able to present uh, which is a great honor, of course, because this is a famous uh, webinar in the meantime. Uh, and so I'm presenting a work of, uh, that we have done together with David Abadi, who's also in the audience, and Jan-Willem Duivendak, I think so as well. Um, and this is part of uh, a Horizon 2020 project on uh, democratic efficacy and the varieties of populism in Europe. Um, I will present two different studies, uh, one on the relation between uh, emotions and populism and the other on Corona actually, <laughs> and also on populism. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to sneak in the theme again. Um, so, I don't need to tell the audience a lot about populism because many of you have uh, been studying this for a much longer time than, uh, than I have. 
So I assume that everyone knows uh, uh, what I'm talking about and that the idea that populism is on the rise and it can be dangerous for democracy and there are populists on the left side of the political spectrum and on the right side and actually it's a, a way of thinking and explaining rather than a political preference and so it's also clearly a complex phenomenon else uh, you would not talk about that or write about write write about it so much um, so when we come to a definition uh, i know there's a lot of debate about definitions of populism but there are three ingredients that are important for us and for this study and that is the us versus them thinking so the us being the common folk and the people versus them the elite and the government the Manichaean outlook or the dualism, people are morally superior uh, to the elites, so good versus bad. And uh, we also added another element, which is nativism, uh, uh, on which Jan-Willem Duyven-Duck has, has written a lot. And um, that is mainly the idea that people who are the natives in a country have more rights um, because their ancestors ancestors built the country so if you look at the literature then there are actually two different types of explanations for um, populist voting or populist attitudes and these are the socio-economic factors like uh, unemployment low education etc and the social psychological factors that are more recent uh, theories about populism and they argue that it's not actually the uh, uh, actual economic hardship, but rather the feeling of being mistreated, the, the being anxious, the being angry, etc., etc. And so this is also a sort a form of relative deprivation because it's important how other people uh, are, what what other people experience, whether other people are unemployed or or poor or or rich. Uh, rather than the, the mere fact that you are uh, that yourself. So um, this is actually about the, the, the basis of these social psychological theories and emotional theories is that people who are anxious uh, have to deal with that. They have to be, uh, they, they be being anxious actually is a very, um, negative state of mind and people feel uncertain and being uncertain is something that you want to get rid of and um, there are different ways of doing that and so you can uh, run away you can uh, withdraw from social life you can try to control your anxiety with taking measures like uh, wearing face <laughs> face masks or you can blame others which is also a way of getting rid of, rid of your uncertainty about causes and so on, because feeling angry is actually a much more pleasant experience than feeling uncertain. And so this is what people uh, want to do. Uh, at least this is our uh, assumption and in, in other types of research it has been shown and anger gives you a feeling of control and in that sense it is more pleasant and more positive even experienced than uh, being 
anxious. So in the, in the first study, uh, we wanted to test the relative importance of social economic versus social psychological and emotional factors in explaining populism. So there has been more and more research about emotions and, and the organizers of this uh, uh, webinar are uh, one of the prominent authors in that, um, showing that emotions do play a role. But this, in this study, we wanted to compare uh, the, the different types of factors that could explain the, um, uh, the uh, increase in populism. So we did a large survey in 15 different European countries. And these countries are all part of this project. You can see how complicated this, uh, this whole demos project is because of all these different country, countries who, which are involved. Um, and so we did it with an online survey and we collected the data uh, last year and the num total number of participants is 8,059. Uh, what did we measure? I'm not going to mention all the measures because that, that is too much in uh, 15 minutes, but um, we, of course, we measured populist attitudes because that, is the, that was the main dependent variable with different types of scales as I just mentioned. Um, we measured different types of socioeconomic indicators, inequality, um, there was inequality in the, at the country level, uh, which is based on the inequality of income distribution. And so we coded the different countries on the basis of this uh, index. Um, we had individual uh, employment status, education level and perceived social status. So that is how you see yourself on the social ladder compared to other people in your country. And then you have the social psychological indicators uh, such as the social identity scale, anxiety measured by um, how threatening people find some things in the, in the future. Uh, like whether they have proper housing or proper income, but also symbolic threats, like whether they are afraid that um, the number of uh, immigrants in the country will uh, destroy their traditions and so on. So this is called realistic and symbolic threats. And we had measures of anger and contempt that were based on uh, my own previous work in intergroup relations and interpersonal relationships. So this is basically the fact that anger also always includes other blame and the tendency to attack or uh, confront, whereas contempt is the tendency to look down at others or to look down at the elite, for instance, in this case, and to withdraw and ignore um, uh, those people. So anger and contempt are both negative emotions. Uh, uh, that is quite clear, but they have different um, assessments of the situation and different types of tendencies to um, deal with it. Okay, so these were the measures. Um, we have, this is the sl slide of the correlations with the, the blue correlations uh, indicating uh, the positive ones, the red, the negative ones, and you can clearly see 
um, that there are positive correlations between anger, anxiety, and contempt and populist attitudes, and just and only actually no significant correlations between populist attitudes and the socioeconomic indicators. Um, so people with more populist attitudes feel more anxious, are more angry, and feel more contempt towards the government. We also conducted several path analyses. And if you have further questions, I, I will explain it. But if you have more detailed questions, you can ask David about that. I can say that now. Um, so we tested the structural relation between these uh, variables. Um, um, this is the more advanced uh, structural equation model in which you can, in which we uh, tested whether the direct and indirect relationships between inequality index and populist attitudes and between anxiety and populist attitudes are uh, significant and uh, what direction they have and what you what you see here for instance is there is a, a significant relation between inequality and populist attitudes but it's really really very small and it's also uh, negative whereas the relation between the emotions anxiety anger and contempt on populist attitudes is much la larger actually it's 0.28 and um, what you also see is that uh, anger and contempt mediate the relation between anxiety and the populist attitudes. So on the basis of that advanced model, you can, you can uh, argue that emotional factors play a larger role in the development or the increase in populist attitudes in comparison with the social economic factors. Of which, by the way, education is the has the largest effect of 0.17. It's the only actual significant effect. Um, so we also we also uh, tested uh, used other models uh, in testing uh, in testing this idea, and it all all these models actually confirmed the idea that emotions are more important than social economic factors so in a second study so so this was study one in the second study we wanted to further explore the role of anxiety uh, or fear in in populist attitudes um, and the the main reason is that we um, wanted to see whether the anxiety that people nowadays feel uh, with respect to being contaminated by Corona would also affect their um, populist attitudes because we thought that any type of anxiety, so also anxiety for Corona, could sparkle populist sentiments based on, on this idea that I, that, that I um, referred to earlier, that people who are uncertain, anxious, seek certainty by following strong and simple beliefs about the state of the world. And so the us, us versus them, the good versus evil, the beliefs in conspiracies can explain the big events in the world. 
And so that would be the relation between um, Corona and populism. So we had a couple of questions. So what are the individual factors that predict anxiety for the coronavirus? Is corona anxiety related to other types of anxiety, like uh, symbolic or environmental threats? Does corona anxiety lead to stronger populist attitudes, anger at the government or anger at others? And does it lead to more approval of and compliance with hygiene measures that are um, being announced by the government? And is this maybe mediated by the populist attitudes? So again, we did an online survey, which is very handy in, the, in these times, much better than focus groups or interviews. And so we had uh, uh, four different countries, Germany, Spain, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. Uh, we, again, we, we didn't have time yet to um, look at the differences between the different countries here, but that, that will be interesting because of the different ways in which the governments in these countries have reacted to the to the crisis, uh, but this is uh, all pre prelim preliminary. So we had three types of anxiety: uh, anxiety about contamination with the coronavirus, anxiety about the symbolic threats, and anxiety about environmental threats. Then we had conspiracy mentality, populist attitudes, anger at the government, uh, um, approval of and compliance with hygiene measures, which I will explain uh, in a second, anger at others, and, the other, uh, and that is basically other persons who transgress the rules that have been set by the governments, uh, and pro-social behavior. And so the hygiene measures that we measured are, we had nine different ones. Well, you can, you can read it um, in, on the screen. Um, the interesting thing is, this is just an aside, that there are only, so we asked whether people approved of the measures and whether they actually behaved, conform the measures. And there were, and in actually, most of the cases, people approved them but didn't behave like that, <laughs> which I find very funny. Um, but there are two that were really uh, didn't didn't show any difference. So the hand washing, this is what people approve of and actually do, and the staying at home when you are sick or have a cold as well. But for all the rest of the measures, that doesn't count. Okay, so further results, and they are preliminary, as I said. Um, so the first uh, question that we had what is what types of individual predictors actually relate to the anxiety about corona? Um, and we did a linear logistic regression uh, with, uh, in, in three different steps. Uh, the first, the um, age, gen gender, and country. Only gender had a significant effect. Um, then employment, education, and subjects of social status. Only employment had an effect. And um, conspiracy mentality, the belief that, that the beliefs in conspiracy theories was actually uh, the best predictor of, uh, of all these uh, different predictors. So if you, um, so women are more anxious, 
self-employed and unemployed people are more anxious than employed people and people who tend to believe in conspiracies are also more anxious. If you look at the relation with other types of anxiety, what you see is anxiety about Corona is correlated with the env environmental anxiety, but not with the immigration anxiety. So uh, this is also uh, interesting. Here again, the correlation table. Um, here the the red is the positive and the the blue is the is is the negative. Um, what you what you see over here, if you look at the anxiety about Corona, this is this uh, is highly correlated with a lot of different things. So people who are anxious have more populist attitudes, stronger conspiracy mentality, are more angry at the government, are more angry at other people, approve more the uh, hygiene measures, and but also comply to them more. Um, and so here, you, in, if you look at the populist attitudes, you, will, you see the same pattern as we saw in study one. So this seems to be um, at least uh, a little robust. Um, and for the rest, I, I'm not going into all the other things. Um, but uh, as I said, anxiety about Corona is related, and that is for you guys uh, who are interested in populism, it is related to populist attitudes. Um, we need to establish the structural relation between all these different measures um, because what we want to test is whether and whether populism mediates the relation between anxiety and uh, approval of and compliance to these hygiene measures uh, and so we we are still doing all kinds of uh, structural equation modeling to find that out but we haven't done we haven't finished that yet. So, conclusion. Um, I think emotion. This is not for me. Is not a not a surprise, of course. But I think emotions do play a, a very important role in populist attitudes. They seem to be more important than mere socioeconomic factors. But of course, you could you could argue that this has to do with the way in which we have measured both things which is still, well, that is a discussion, of course. Um, a second conclusion is that anxiety may be at the basis of other negative emotions, uh, uh, which, uh, which makes sense because of the uncertainty element and is related, therefore, to populist attitudes. And as I said, we will further test the uh, mediating and uh, effects of the different variables in the relation between anxiety and compliance to measures, actually behavior. Okay, that was it. Okay, thank you uh, very much, uh, Agneta, for this uh, uh, all this 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 new data on uh, on important topics. And uh, I'm also impressed that uh, while managing our faculty and uh, and making sure that we can do our research and teach, uh, you're also still uh, doing a lot of research at the same time. Um, so now we have uh, uh, more than half an hour for uh, uh, questions, uh, and there is already a first question in the Q&A box, and 
So people who are listening, feel free to write a question and I will read it out and Agneta uh, will answer. Um, so Agneta, the first question uh, is the question from uh, Robin Tuchel uh, from uh, the Amsterdam School of Communication Research. I have two questions about the first study. Uh, the first is, do populist attitudes work well as one factor? I would expect that the nativism distinguishes populist leanings to the left from those leaning to the right. And the second question is, did you take uh, any look at political leaning left, right? And if so, do you find differences between those groups? Uh, in other words, socioeconomic factors being more important for left-leaning individuals with populist attitudes versus the right-leaning individuals. Yeah, I think uh, that is a very good. So the, the question is actually, um, so the last question was about the political preference, uh, right? Whether that makes a difference. Yeah, so whether or not that's conditioning uh, the, uh, yeah. the effects of the socioeconomic factors. Hmm. It is very. This is a very good question, and I remember that we uh, that we did some analysis on that, but I don't remember any <laughs> anymore what came out because we did so many different analyses. David, uh, are you in? Or I can he? I don't, I don't think he has the right to speak oh, in, no, the, in speak. the Zoom in the Zoom, form, <laughs> in the Zoom format. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I'm alone here. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so actually, I I don't know, uh, but I, I I do think it is a very important question, and uh, and I should check that. So, what was the first question? Because that was also yeah. The first the first question is whether or not populist attitudes work well as a oh, factor. Yeah. So, is it or is it the nativism uh, that distinguishes populist leaning to the left from those leaning to the right? Okay, so we did check for these different. Um, scales um, and so populist attitudes works as a scale um, uh, in the sense that it's reliable um, actually nativism was the scale that we made ourselves which was the most reliable one better than the better than the other ones and I remember that uh, nativism has the strongest effects to populist attitudes in certain countries, but not in all countries. So what we want to do, but still have to do, is whether we can see different clusters of populism in the different countries based on, on these different scales that we use. But for the, for the, uh, but, but for the predictors that we, uh, predictions that we did, I remember that um, nativism was one of the strongest. And with respect to the, to the second question, with regard to the political preference, I also know that there is literature on um, different emotions that would play a role for left-wing people and right-wing people in relation to populism. Um, for instance, shame would be differentially important I think that would be important for the left-wing populism ra rather than the, the, the right-wing. Um, and this is, I think it is important. And um, as I said, I, I don't remember exactly what came out of that. Okay. Oh, look, David is in. Yeah, we, we, get, we gave David the right <laughs> to speak now. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome, David. Uh, oh, he's, he is not ready to. Well, we'll go on to this next question, and then uh, and now we have David in there as well. So, if once he wants to answer, he could uh, unmute his microphone. Uh, the second question is from Matthijs Rodaan. Uh, thank you, Agneta. This is very interesting. I have a question about your focus on populist attitudes. I like that approach. Yet I was wondering if you've also assessed populist voting. We know that many people have populist attitudes, but populist attitudes, but that much less people actually vote for populist parties. Do you find similar patterns when examining actual voting behavior? Um, yeah, this is a very good question. Actually, we have thought a lot about whether we um, would measure the the voting, but because we had because we involved so many different countries, it was very difficult to define what would be the populist parties and what not. Um, and so this was this was actually the, the the more practical reason you could say that we uh, decided to use populist attitudes. Um, and the other reason is, well, I think we did so we did not measure what parties people voted for. We did have a measure of whether. I think we did have a measure of whether they uh, were left or right wing, um, which we could correlate with the attitudes. Do you remember that, David, whether we had that or not? Your mic is off. <laughs> or, yeah. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, now, now we can hear so, you. So, uh, regarding Hello everyone, uh, I'm David, uh, the co-author of that uh, paper um, Agneta just presented. So the, I unfortunately cannot see the previous questions by Robin and Matthijs. Um, Bert, um, could you please... Um, I, I, no, I, can't show, I can't show you the questions, I can, yeah. so I can only read them. So the, the question from Matthijs is basically, did you measure populist voting? And if so, uh, to what extent uh, do do you see the same patterns when uh, when it comes to voting behavior uh, compared to the populist attitudes? Yeah, we did. We did actually uh, in the in the first study last summer. We asked for for people's voting behavior, but we did not. We have not actually included in any analysis because we have so far more than hundred variables. Uh, but that is something we will uh, tackle in uh, our future research because. The next step is actually to look into these different uh, clusters uh, of uh, left-wing and right-wing populism, as Ahmed mentioned before. Um, yeah. So. But um, did we ask? Was it an open question what they voted for? Which party? Um, in the in the first study, we asked uh, whether they have voted and uh, what uh, basically what. Uh, what party? Uh, what party they have okay, so or what yeah. direction, not the particular party, but like yeah, what political ideology. And in the in the second study, uh, the online experiments uh, on corona pandemic, we asked actually um, participants had to answer on a scale between minus five and plus five, between basically left wing and right wing. Uh, on that scale, they had to actually answer their or position themselves. Okay. Okay. 
Does it answer your question, Matthijs? Uh, Matthijs is oh, nee, has no right to be Matthijs has no right. But we'll never know, Agneta. Um, <laughs> no, no. I have to tell it to. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. The next question is from uh, Daphne van der Pas. Uh, thank you very much for this very interesting research and the presentation. You mentioned that emotional factors apparently are more important than the socioeconomic factors. At the end, you also mentioned that this conclusion also depends on how they are measured. I'm wondering how you see the relation between emotions and socioeconomic factors. In the SEM model, I think they were modeled separately. Uh, so where do these emotions come from and do the socioeconomic factors actually play a role here? Yeah, that is a, that is a very good question, of course. Uh, I, do, I think that um, socioeconomic and emotional factors are actually rather independent of each other. There are many people who are poor and still happy or who who have all kinds of conditions and are still happy and be and people who are very rich and educated who are grumpy all the time so um i i think this has more to do with some kind of personality characteristics and and so on than with the socioeconomic uh, factors um i'm sorry i lost the second question <laughs> i'm sorry I think I think that was that was the um, yeah so so basically I think you've answered the question because Daphne's question was are they do whether or not you think that the socioeconomic factors play a role in in affecting these emotions? Yeah, I I actually don't think so. Okay. Um, we go to the next question from Isabella Isabella Ribasso, who's a PhD student at the Department of Political Science and working in our lab. Uh, thanks for your talk. My question is about the causes of anxiety, which you find to be the f to be first in the causal chain from emotion to po populist attitudes. How do you expect that feelings of anxiety emerge if this is uh, neither socioeconomic factors nor cue taking from political elites, which would only work once populist attitudes are already present? Or is the cause ultimately trade anxiety or trade anger? Mm. Nice question. Um, the question is whether, where the, the, what, the, what causes this anxiety? Mm -hmm. uh, well, in the case of Corona, it's quite clear. So <laughs> I don't think I, I have to answer that question. And that is probably also, uh, by the way, uh, uh, influenced by sort of state anxiety where you're t talking about. So some people are just more anxious than others. Um, but but the other the anxiety in the in the first question indeed um, has to do with so it comes from theories on social identity and social and one social identity is based on uh, whether one belongs to a group uh, and whether that feels good and and uh, whether one feels safe in the group and as soon as people have the idea that um, this identity is being threatened because the values of the group or the status of the group, etc., is being attacked, then um, people become anxious. And there are different strategies how to save your social identity, actually. Um, but but this 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 is actually, I think, the sort of very common global cause of anxiety and um, 
there are more specific events that may uh, ev that may sort of reinforce or, or evoke um, actual fears, which is more concrete than the sort of underlying anxiety that people have. And I do agree with with you if you state that it has something to do that has something to do with socioeconomic factors. So people who are who are poor um and see no perspective are more likely in that sense to feel anxious about the future i do think that is that is the case um but it is not necessary that doesn't necessarily mean that people who are um angry at the government or who are um uh feel contempt for uh, for the government also uh whether that directly directly relates to their um to their socioeconomic situation so the social identity actually we we assume that social identity would have a a, a stronger uh, would be a stronger factor in this whole model uh, but that was not so that was not the case and it may also be different in different countries by the way but um so i think so so to summarize <laughs> mm -hmm. i i think i think that it's not so i think that the fact that we are trying to do causal modeling doesn't mean that it starts with anxiety just like that then it it predict that predicts something else and that predicts something else because there is of course a sort of continuous relationship between these different things yeah this was a bit of a long answer to a yeah, question i'm i'm it's uh, i i i can't speak for isabella but uh, i i think it it covers what she uh, what she asked um the next question is from patrick stewart from uh, arkansas uh, this is wonderful and incredible salient research. Thank you for presenting. Given the current events in the United States and other nations, what suggestions would you give policymakers given your giving your findings? Um, gee, <laughs> that is a difficult <laughs> question. Policymakers. Well, one of the things that policymakers should not do is um, increase the um, negative emotions of people and so rather than making people more angry and more anxious and feeling more in, unsafe um, you should acknowledge that um, that they have that they see threats uh, acknowledge that there are problems acknowledge that there are differences between people who are treated better than others um, and uh, and just saying that people who are angry are rioters um, would be not the way to um, well would not be the way to to have a democratic and peaceful society I would say but this is a, of course a very global uh, answer to this question it also depends on on the type of um, the type of situation in which politi politicians um, react to certain events. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
next question is from Bram Spruit from the Vrije Universiteit Brussel. Uh, thank you for the interesting presentation. Uh, you compare the relative importance of the socioeconomic versus the emotional factors. Uh, do these emotions in any meaningful way moderate the effect of the socioeconomic factors, uh, the effect of the socioeconomic factors on populist attitudes? David? <laughs> <laughs> David, do you want to answer this question? He doesn't. <laughs> well, it's been a while, um, but uh, well, we have we found uh, we have, we found some uh, evidence for uh, mediation effects. And um, with regard to this, I mean that's that does also depends on the model. So um, this is again not a not a not a not a question to answer uh, in in one or two sentences. I would say. To, to wrap it up, I would say it all depends. But in general, yes, they, uh, they, they play a role in, uh, in moderating the effects. But uh, whether they are significantly, uh, or whether they are significant compared to other factors, that remains a question, I would say. I'm just looking at the, yeah. Oh. Okay. So you can do this. So we have done a lot of modeling and um, just to, to, to also to add to what, uh, what David already said. And it is quite clear that these different variables are, are very related to each other. Um, but that in, in all these models, the emotional ones come out as the most important ones in explaining populist attitudes. Uh, maybe in that context, I can, I can add uh, um, uh, basically a complementary, uh, confirmatory uh, research we conducted. And this is the random forest prediction model, which you see here, uh, which yeah, confirmed and complemented both uh, SAM models, uh, which, yeah, random forest uh, for um, those of you who don't know it, uh, it's an inductive supervised machine learning algorithm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think the results are quite impressive. Um, and again, it confirmed uh, all kind of models uh, we created before, including the basic and the advanced SAM model. Okay, Gijs, um, you wanted to ask a question? Yeah, uh, I did. Um, thanks uh, also, uh, David, for these, uh, these complimentary uh, uh, results. I was just bustling over them for a bit, forgetting my question, but I, I think I have it again. Uh, so I, I'm particularly sort of intrigued here by the sort of the combination of emotions that, that leads to uh, the output of populist attitudes. But my, uh, my question is, maybe it relates a bit to what Matthijs asked before, but um, um, consider the following scenario, that both populist attitudes and the reported emotions people feel towards government are both the outcome, the product of voting for populism, and not really the cause. Um, 
and and I understand you didn't you didn't look at at voting behavior, but I mean, once a person decides to take cues from a particular elite group, uh, then uh, these these cues may very well be also not in terms of attitudes, like uh, like you you think that the people should have full autonomy, uh, but it may also be the, the emotionality of the, these cues that that people take over. So indeed, they become more angry at the government, and there's some. Some some very old uh, evidence from uh, also from a SEM model from uh, my uh, my office mate who I haven't seen in four months, Wout van der Brug, who showed that uh, that 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 that, that um, particularly political trust uh, uh, actually is both a a cause of populist voting but also a consequence. And so this sort of more iterative model is this is this do you see this as a possibility? What you, what's your I, if I can answer first, uh, I, I, I completely agree. I think this is a possibility and I think it doesn't exclude each other. So the emotions can be a cause and an effect of populist voting. It need not be one, but I'm not sure. And that's, this is where David needs to, uh, I'm not sure whether we tested that. Uh, I, I actually don't think so, but yeah, so uh, what we did in the, in the first study uh, across 15 European countries is we basically asked uh, a question, did you vote during the last elections? And uh, this is, of course, not uh, sufficient um, to answer uh, a good question you asked, you just asked, guys. But uh, in our last uh, study, we, we asked uh, a couple of questions regarding uh, voting behavior, including the political um, orientation of the respondent on, on a left-wing, right-wing spectrum. Uh, perhaps uh, there is a possibility to, to answer that question. If you guys have any suggestions, uh, recommendations, advice, um, yeah, we are very, would really appreciate it. But I think one of the options could be that we say that uh, we treat the populist attitudes not as the sort of and variable to be explained by the others, um, but as a predictor of um, the emotions. Yeah. That was the idea, I think. Yeah. Which is interesting. So uh, whether that would whether that would be an equally good model. Yeah. yeah. So this is uh, so with regard to this political spectrum. Uh, this is a model I've been just uh, testing a few days ago, uh, whether it predicts uh, any of the major uh, scales. Um, I've been kind of like playing with it. Uh, it's definitely interesting, and, um, but it hasn't been a priority so far, but we will definitely look into it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The next question is from uh, Maika Holman, also from uh, our, our lab and the Department of Political Science. Uh, thanks for the great presentation. Um, I was wondering how the negative emotions interact with each other. You mentioned that anger mediates the effect of anxiety on populist attitudes. Could you explain it a little bit more? Do feelings of anxiety perhaps turn into anger? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> that is uh, the case. So um, 
I, th I think anxiety, if people are anxious, they are more likely the, to become angry or to, to, to feel contempt because of, because of the uh, uh, feelings of uncertainty underlying um, uh, this, uh, this anxiety because people want to get rid of it and uh, blaming others or looking down at others is a, is a very good and efficient way to get rid of your own uncertainty. Um, but it is, by the way, not necessary to be anxious in order to, to become angry. You, so you can become angry because you feel very frustrated or because you really think that someone uh, did the wrong things, etc., etc. So it's not a precondition, but it helps if you are anxious. Okay, uh, another question from Matthijs. Um, oh, he was, by the way, satisfied with your previous answer. Um, in, in the, <laughs> in, the <laughs> uh, in the second study, you examined both populist attitudes and conspiracy mentality. To what extent would you conceptualize populism as a, a specific manifestation of a conspiracy mentality? Hmm. Oh, that is that is interesting. Um, I think you could um but conspiracy theories or the 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 this conspiracy mentality is basically that people tend to think in terms of big causes of big events uh, that are hidden from the, from the obvious so it is a bit more specific i think than at least in the the way we uh, in the way it is measured than uh, populist attitudes in general. So, um, therefore, therefore, it makes sense that um, they are related, these uh, different concepts. Um, but it, I, in my view, it's not the same. Okay, yeah. Um, next question from uh, Robin from the Armstrong School of Communication Research again. Uh, the behavioral change literature often talks about the need for concern, worry, or anxiety as a prerequisite. However, a sense of efficacy is one of the key moderators decide, deciding whether this anxiety leads to action or disengagement. Would you think that a, sense, a higher sense of efficacy would possibly also play a role in your models? In other words, could efficacy prevent people from be, from developing populist attitudes? Our Horizon 2020 project is called Democratic Efficacy and Varieties of Populism. So the idea uh, was indeed that if people have the feeling that they can um, contribute to democracy, that they can uh, be involved in decision-making, etc., etc., that that would um, decrease their populist attitudes and populist voting. So uh, I, th I think theoretically this is completely right. We haven't, I think <laughs> in our, in this whole project, um, there, there, ha there hasn't been a good operationalization of democratic effic efficacy um, yet. Uh, so we have some measures, but uh, we are all not very satisfied with it. It's very difficult to measure that, especially cross-nationally. 
because uh, it's about knowledge. It's about uh, whether people have the feeling that they, they that it makes um, sense uh, for them to to be involved. Um, so um, theoretically, I think this is a good argument, and um, empirically, uh, I we, I don't think we have yet uh, sufficient evidence for that. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, I have uh, another question and then uh, I'll hand the floor over to Gijs to uh, close the meeting. Um, so so this is a question that I, I wanted to ask you. It's, it's based on a comment you made in, a, in an earlier seminar that we that we were both attending when we we're talking about what 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 are these emotions actually in the domain of politics? Uh, are these sort of short, immediate, effective states? Or are it more sort of attitudinal constructs that over time you maybe by taking cues from your political party have sort of adopted that you have some sort of latent feeling of anger towards the government? Um, so, so the question is, like, how do we need to conceptualize uh, emotions in, in the domain of politics as more sort of short-lived effective states or more attitudinal constructs that have a more fixed position in, in, in who we are and how we approach the world? Yeah, I think that is a very good question. I think both, actually. And so uh, the way we measure this it was is more in terms of sentiments and attitudes so we ask, ask um, uh, how angry are you at the government etc et this is not this is not a specific event that we measure because that is difficult and so what we have measured is more the attitudes but if you have attitudes uh, that that represent a sort of anger towards the government then uh, it is also more likely, of course, that you will become more angry if something happens. So you see that uh, uh, nowadays in the United States, you see that also uh, in the Netherlands. So if something happens regarding discrimination, racism, etc., etc., and if people already have an ad attitude, for instance, that they say, well, the government doesn't do anything about it, and at, when that is your underlying attitude then you will become more angry as soon as something happens so i think you need both that's good yeah okay thanks um well i'll hand the floor for Gijs for the last words thank you Agneta, for a wonderful talk and uh, thank you david for uh, the uh, the assistance <laughs> uh, both of you will get this uh, wonderful hot party club oh i loved it <laughs> once i'm back in the office that's uh, i don't know when that will happen but, uh, <laughs> um uh, i hope to see both of you soon again in the lab or uh, or people at the party um let me end today, we have a few more uh, minutes, with announcing uh, the remainder of our schedule for this academic year. Uh, we'll, uh, we have very long academic years in the Netherlands. Uh, some of you might have stopped teaching already. I started teaching this week again. Uh, so uh, um, we're, uh, we'll be busy until uh, the end of June. And so we have a, three more exciting meetings uh, lined up for you. Next week from three to four, we have Ryan Boyd. From the University of Lancaster to talk on uh, psychology and verbal behavior. 
Um, so Ryan Boyd is originally from the Pennebaker, James Pennebaker lab, and among other things, studies the, uh, uh, the language, the psychological characteristics of the language that politicians use. So I think this is going to be a super interesting uh, 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 talk. Uh, the week after that, we have Chris Federico um, uh, 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 to talk about, now I had the same exact same problem last week, what does this talk about? Here Collective narcissism and national identity. Mm, yeah, I mean, it uh, couldn't be more uh, uh, topical, I think. Um, and uh, <laughs> that will be from four to five because, uh, uh, because Chris uh, is based in the US. And then the last uh, uh, meeting of this academic year, the 26th of June, from three to four again, we have a PhD uh, a lab meeting where Isabella Rebasso uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, her, 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 well, the data collection we're uh, about to get started on, um, on uh, the role of anger and fear in politics. And uh, Tobias Rohrbach, uh, a PhD student from the University of Fribourg, who will, who will, who will actually uh, talk about researching emotions in a qualitative way. And we'll talk about his uh, Think Aloud protocols uh, that he, uh, he is planning to uh, uh, use in an uh, upcoming data collection. Uh, so lots of interesting stuff, and uh, even though we will close for a bit, uh, uh, I think we'll back. We will be back in uh, half August, and so uh, we're already preparing. Or well, no, I should rephrase. We should start preparing our schedule for next year. So if you're interested in giving a talk, please let us know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that for a while we'll be doing this online, and so it uh, uh, doesn't really matter where you live, as long as you have something to contribute to our main topic, you're very welcome. Um, I think that's it for today. Uh, thanks again, everybody, and um, have a good week.